The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Hey, everybody. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We're also thrilled. We're always thrilled to have you with us uh, on our journey here talking about cars. It's kind of what we always do. I feel like mm-hmm. that's, that's all we do, but I never get tired of it. You realize that? I, I agree. No, I agree with you. It's it's, so it's, it's an ongoing disease. It's an ongoing disease that, that we keep uh, we keep having. And I'm glad to have you back. I mean, for those of you that noticed, uh, you know, last Friday, if you just heard our last one last Friday, we had Chance guesting on the podcast. We're still curious to hear your thoughts on that. Some of you already said what you think of it, and we'd uh, we'd like to hear more thoughts. Thought we'd have Chance on talking FRS BRZ as only the two of us can as owners. <laughs> exactly. But Paul is back. And uh, Chance will be back again later this week with another podcast uh, while Paul is still off in Asia. I look forward to hearing all about that. But we are back this week with P- Paul and with car debates and news and all kinds of normal stuff. Yes, all kinds of stuff. For the debates, everyone, we've got Paul in Indiana, another Paul, who wants us very specifically to note that he is a Purdue Boilermaker, not an Indiana Hoosier. So we are calling that out. And thanks for writing, Paul. He is uh, asking more about trucks, which is something that we really never talk about, and I wanted True. to address it. It's kind of cool because he's up for a fun car, but he's also up for keeping the truck, and he's got four ideas that he shared with us mm-hmm. that we want to go through here and offer some suggestions at the end. We're well, also going to offer financial advice. No, we're not. Because <laughs> we're good at that. <laughs> but, th- but there's two parts of this. I mean, he's not just saying, hey, wh- he, it's not really him saying, hey, which truck do I have? Which truck do I get? He's actually kind of saying, do I need a truck? And you and I debate that back and forth all the time. So looking forward to talking about that for Paul. Yeah. And I realized something when I read this. You know how when I go off onto Star Wars stuff, it just becomes white noise to you? Yes, my eyes glaze. I, I, f- I found my equivalent. It's sports teams, especially college sports teams. It's just okay. it, I read I read past it, and I may as well be reading Swahili. I just I have no <laughs> frame of reference. It doesn't matter. It, it may as well be white noise. It go you know you know how that digital uh, thing they put on people's faces to blur their face out. It's that. Every time I read anything about sports teams, I may as well be seeing the pixelization. That that's it. So okay. this is my equivalent to you and sci-fi stuff because I just. Uh, great, Paul. You're you're uh, who's your versus? But I I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, for some people, it is it is just part of their lives. For others, kind of like us, we're we're not as well, enthusiastic. But see, you can speak to that. You can speak to that more than the Star Wars thing. And I just have to say, in my yeah. own defense, that Han shot first. So you know, that's all I know to say. <laughs> I don't even know what that reference is. But you know, you explained it, and I still don't know. <laughs> yeah. And there are many people out there that are either arguing or are cheering me right now. So this is this is the weirdness of all of our own lives. But <laughs> I do like Paul's question here because he's got he's got a pickup that he's had a long time, and his wife now has a GMC Terrain, and so they have big truck vehicles. And they're debating, okay, I'd like to have a fun car. What does that mean for what we currently have in our garage? How do we go forward? Uh, that's a good one. And then we also have uh, our friend Weston that wrote in from Wisconsin, and uh, he's got a different situation where he's looking for kind of his first car he's buying himself. He's out of college, his first car to buy himself, but he's only got sixteen grand, and he's saying sixteen grand is the absolute upper end of his budget. He, everybody's giving you your limiter now, which makes me laugh, Paul. But uh, So we're going to talk about Weston's situation as well. Yeah, we've also got some news items that are right about a week old at this point. Uh, the first one off the top here is a Toyota Prius recall. And uh, <clears throat> I think you know how we feel about the Prius. Uh, apparently, well, but here's, well, Toyota's recalling 340,000 of these cars mm-hmm, due to a problem mm-hmm. with the parking brake that can cause accidents. So this is what the recall is about. So brand new cars, 2016 and 2017 models. So, um, yeah. I, I just, I sorry, I have to... There, there are so many things to rant on about this. I don't know where to start. <laughs> but, I, but here's where I am going to start. If you read the description of how this happens, this is so, – look, I appreciate the fact that they're defending. I do. I mean it's better than the alternative of we don't care and we're going to worry about it after thousands of people have died. It's better than the alternative. I get it. But talk about being really cautious here because the description – got to see if I can find it again because it makes me laugh. It's uh, there is there is the possibility that the parking brake could become inoperative 
if, listen to the description here, if a driver exits the vehicle while the transmission is not in park, then it might happen. So you've had to, to really, as a driver, already have multiple fails for the problem to even arise. That's what makes me laugh about it. That's hilarious. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, as will any car, actually. But, you know, that's yeah. a whole other story. I came to a stop. I didn't put my car in park. I walked away and it moved. This isn't a recall. This is stupidity. I mean, I, honestly. <laughs> I love that it says it can cause the parking brake to fail, increasing the risk the vehicle could roll away and crash. I think it already looks like it rolled away and crashed. Maybe that's the well, problem. That's the second rant. And that brings me to my second thought, which is I actually – here's my tacky comment of the evening. I actually wonder if this is a big conspiracy cover-up. They're actually recalling what? these for something they're, – they're recalling these for something innocuous because they, they suddenly have seen them on the street and gone, oh, what have we done? <laughs> Here's a new front and bumper. And so they're trying, they're trying to figure out a way to get these cars back so that they can fix the fact uh. that they're catastrophically ugly. They're not selling well. It's because they're ter- <laughs> they, they look terrible. And so now Toyota's going, what do we do to get all these cars back? We can't say, hey, they're ugly. We want to fix them. What do we do? Recall. That's what we do. <laughs> Some brilliant idea. Uh, that's funny. I like that. <laughs> I I would love if they recalled due to design. I don't think there, there's ever been a recall in the history of cars. There, there hasn't been. And, of course, that's not what this is. And I'm just making awesome, light of a situation. Though. I know this. But I, I have to laugh. I mean, it reminds me. We were in the, uh, the BMW M4 when we were in Germany recently. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to call people out from RSR to help me because they changed the shifter. And, and some person out there is going to say, I'm an idiot. And I understand that. But they changed the shifter. There is no park on the DCT anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no park. You have it in drive or reverse and you turn the car off and it puts itself in park. That now, wasn't that intuitive, least, actually. That was exactly not that at least suggests apparent. that you could get yourself confused because you just don't understand. Why. I mean, like you can put it in neutral and walk away, and then it actually is sitting on the parking brake. But if you want it to be in park, it has to be just in a gear and then turned off. What if you want to so, leave it running and leave the car? You can't. You have to turn it off. Well, yeah, you'd, you'd have you'd have to put it in neutral and crank on the parking brake and hope for the best. I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> Toyota's solve for this recall is <clears throat> hope for the best. That's their best recommendation that they have at this point. Is really just hope that's for as best. far as we've gotten in the process. <laughs> no, but honestly, you say that the the actual solve suggested is almost that ridiculous. It's a comment where I, I'm going to find this too. It, it's written in here somewhere. It's uh, they're going to add clips to the top of the brake cable. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that sounds like somebody with a paper clip and, and, a, and a coffee break went, oh, I got to solve. Does MacGyver I mean, that, work for Toyota now? This is, this, is, this is more of me saying, I think it's all a styling cover-up. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll pull them in here. We'll put new clips on the brake thing. We'll say it was a parking brake problem. We've got to fix those front bumpers. Have you seen these things on the street? What did we do? <laughs> I would love that, but yeah, obviously not. But uh, Of course, hilarious. this is not the case. We're making light of Priuses because that's part of what we do. I understand. Well, so this other piece of news here is BMW. They have introduced the 2017 5 Series. And I will say that if we are in massive syndication at this point and you're listening to this podcast way, way into the future, good news, everyone. The 2037 BMW 5 Series has been introduced. And I would like to tell you a few things about the new car. All right. So regarding new features, there's a few cool ones, but I should mention the obvious boring ones first. And that is the car has now got that upgraded 8,000-mile range on every trim level, which is great. (laughs) Now, of course, from the prior generation car, you know about that behind-the-ear, under-the-skin chip implant that BMW requires of every owner. But, But that now allows BMW to download your thoughts while you're in the car, and you can summon the car to come pick you up from across the continent by just using your mind. So there is that. You read a very different press release than I did. You really read a very different one. <laughs> well, this is the future car. I'm just saying, you know, we, we, we never know. But, you know, what's cool about this car is you get to choose now which of your body parts that you get to sell to purchase it. So that's good news. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an arm like they required last year. Now it right. could be an arm or a leg. Right. Yeah, you, there you go. I mean, you've got the option for kidneys now, too. So, they're, you know, that's a bonus. 
You got you got two of those. You don't need them both. Who needs two kidneys anymore? That's that's so you know like twenty ten. Yeah, I hear you. So now the zero to one hundred mile an hour acceleration time that remains unchanged at zero point seven seconds. So that's good. That's fine. <laughs> And the coolest new feature is that your new 5 Series can wirelessly power your entire house, even if it's not parked at home. Because, of course, you remember that utility companies don't exist anymore, right? So that was, you know, like two decades ago or whatever. I I have to say that something happened when you went to Asia. You you went to like a whole other time warp thing, and I and it's it's very concerning now that you and I are just on a tear this evening for no really good reason other than both these news stories have sparked us into strange weird places. <laughs> All right, one last thing about the car. We would also <laughs> like to tell you how well the new five series handles, but you know that one gigantically big social media company that's ubiquitous in all of our lives, Uber, Twit, Goog, Face, Apple, Slack, Amazon. <laughs> Stop it! Or is you know, we all call it by the shorter acronym Skynet. They have now partnered yes. with BMW, which means they will play videos of how much fun the car is having driving you around town while your note yeah. is buried in your new iPhone 523. Yeah. That's that's quite a rant, my friend. I have to say, uh, your future you deserves applause. <laughs> the you from from twenty fifty or whatever this is deserves some applause, and you've aged wonderfully. I, <laughs> well, I might thank add. you. Yeah, but for now, yeah. you know, we're stuck with the twenty seventeen five seven. You know, whatever it is, you know, stick a badge on it, and you know, we'll call it good. Yeah, it's it's the it's the chassis that they use for two different sizes. I I, I don't get that at all, but uh, but I love that you talked about the future version of the of the five series and really went future on us. That's that's actually really cool. I'm I'm quite impressed with that. I've well, learned thanks. quite a bit this evening. <laughs> things I had no idea about in cars, and I hey, the future is now apparently. The future can is we, now. Can we can we do a car debate before before we get ourselves in even more trouble? <laughs> sure, why not? We'll jump right into Paul, the other Paul from Indiana. Again, he called us out. He said he's a boilermaker. Got it. All right. And so this is the sure. truck discussion here Great. That we we're talking about. Yeah. Your eyes are rolling around. I can hear them rolling. Uh, I, yeah, 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 I, I don't, all right. I'm, not, I'm just not with you, but that's great. I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, yay. I, I don't know. All right. So Paul well, is driving a 02, 2002 Dodge Ram 1500 with the Hemi. And he's got a lot of miles on it. And uh, it was a gift, so apparently graduation present. Now, Paul is married with a wife and four-month-old daughter. They're in Indiana, and he also just wanted to call out for any of his family that is listening, they are not expecting. So just <laughs> wanted us to also note that piece of Appar- info. Apparently, you've heard the question that happens. I don't know why this happens, but when you have a baby, and I mean a baby, like you, you still, you, you still got the, you know, you haven't slept and you don't remember the last time you did sleep and, and your life is covered with diapers and drool. It's that level of baby. At that point, inexplicably, family members and close friends end up saying, so you're going to have any more kids? Because <laughs> if, if you're, if you're honest in that moment, especially if you catch a parent tired in that moment, they're like, I want to give this one away. Are you kidding? That's the worst time on the planet. To ask somebody if they're going to have more kids. You're, you've got a four-month-old, and people are saying, are you, are you going to have more? And So you know what, man? We'll give you space. We'll give you space, Paul. Exactly. No one knows when you're going to have more. And she's young enough. I'm sure she's beautiful, and you love her desperately. She's young enough, though, that you're probably just still trying to figure that out. So take your time on that for sure. <laughs> I love that you can speak to that. That's hilarious. Like sort of, why are you choking me? I just asked you a simple question. If you're having more kids, well, but, stop but choking But seriously, me. That, hap- that happened to my wife and I when, when our son was tiny, like tiny, tiny, and nothing's on schedule yet. And every, I swear to you, all I remember about that time period was diapers and spit up and lack of showering and sleep. That's all I remember from like the first few the months. The lack of showering on your it's, part, right? Not and, the kid. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And somewhere in the midst of that, yeah, that's right. The child's the only one clean in the house. And somewhere in the midst of that, people were like, you're going to have any more? And I kept thinking, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you for asking. You know? I, oh my gosh. I, and part of me almost wonders if people ask that just to see if they can get a rise out of you as a young parent. Because it's just, it's not the time to ask. It's also by people who have had families and already have kids they sort of needle you don't they 
there there is there are those people that ask from this kind of look in their eye like yeah you're in the middle of it now you're looking to have more now aren't you there there are those people i will admit there are those people that are just doing it for fun but there are generally always family members who are doing it legitimately like oh cool you got one and you haven't killed it do you gonna have more i mean it's a terrible thought it I'm, really is. But I'm wondering like, if Paul's yeah. family is asking, so that's why he had to, you know, kind they, of call this out. I, I think that's exactly why he did. And then, of course, you, but I've joked with this uh, with you before about this. The other thing you see in a progression of couples is the dog, and it was true of my oh, wife and I. Yes, right. The dog, the dog is the starter kid. You, you you get a dog and you go, well, can we keep this alive? Hey, we can. Hey, look, it's still alive. Maybe <laughs> we can't have a human. I mean, that, there, there's that's the right. that's the starter kid. The and guys the have graduated. You know, up to the dog. When the, exactly. When the child comes along and the dog goes, what the heck is this about? <laughs> I, I, we, yeah. were, we had a thing here. The dog is so confused. We had a thing here. Why did you bring the little pink thing? And what, what's, what's going on? We had a yeah, pack. you got to explain it to the dog. And yeah, exactly. The guys have graduated from pouring beer in the plant to keep it alive to owning a dog and keeping that alive. Exactly. That is that is that is like the progression of man right there, you know. I had I had the stage in my life where I watered my house plant by tossing in an ice cube now and then, and now I can keep a dog alive. Exactly. exactly. Oh my gosh. All right, so back to his story here. You've got to check this out. Paul is a certified aircraft mechanic. He's a private pilot and he's an engineer and he's only 27. So he started in yep. aviation. I'm, I'm behind is what this makes me think about. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you are I mean, you are accomplished, Paul. This is really, really cool to read. He has transitioned to the automotive industry here, so he looks like he works for one of the suppliers for one of the OEMs. And mm-hmm. he can wrench on just about anything. And that's kind of part of the story yeah, here. Sounds about like it. What he's saying is, you know, I could wrench on something, I could keep what we've got. Speaking of which, he bought his wife a 2015 GMC Terrain, so brand new. By the way, mm-hmm. those do great burnouts through intersections. If you turn off traction control <laughs> and just slightly rock the car so the weight's over the back wheels and then you punch it, it it'll F- hang figure, on to a burnout for 30 yards. Figure 11s least. through the grocery store parking lot. Your wife must try this. It's just a fantastic way to say hello from the GMC Terrain. It I really agree. is. Yeah. It's geared just right, and you can you know really go through the rubber. So let me Ask know. Ask Paul how he knows, yes. <laughs> let me know how she and, likes that I, feature. But, awesome. you know, I will say we had that we had that on our – if I'm not mistaken, we had that on our shoot of the GT350 Mustang versus the Boss. We did. We rented one. And I discovered the agility of that car at a level that I think the GM engineers never tried. <laughs> I hooned it up that canyon chasing you guys in the yeah, Mustang. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you, you know, did. At, the, at, the, at the bleeding edge of tire squealing understeer going, all right, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're not going off the cliff. So that is a surprisingly agile vehicle too, I have to say. <laughs> surprisingly agile. What else is surprisingly agile? All right, we're not going to go there. Um <laughs> Uh, what else? All right. So he owned, Paul owned a 94 Miata, which he loved. He mm-hmm. wrenched on. Yeah. He parted yep. ways with that. And he's got this truck. So in addition, again, to the 2015 GMC Terrain, he's got the truck for his mm-hmm. wife. And that's really what he's asking us here with these four ideas. Because I think what Paul's worried about is the transmission letting go or something letting go on the truck that's going to cost him a bunch of money, so should he keep it? He's got a ton of miles on that truck, and he's not really in love with it. I mean, it's been a great great vehicle for him, but it's got got almost 200,000 miles. He really thinks he's had other Dodge vehicles that with high mileage from this era, uh, and people that he's known, at high mileage, around 200,000, they end up losing a transmission. He wants to get out from under it prior to that. He doesn't really want to keep it anyway. But he's got these scenarios. I mean, obviously, the terrain is staying. That's a great little family car for them. He'd like another fun car. So this is where the debates start. And one is he keeps his truck and the terrain, and he buys something else cheap and fun. But he's already mentioned that he had that really cheap NA Miata, and he liked it, but he didn't have time. To, he didn't have enough time to dedicate to it to keep it running right, which is why he got rid of the first one. So i got to say to you, Paul, I don't know that that makes any sense. Uh, then there's the scenario of, okay, take the tr- take the Dodge truck that you currently have, get rid of it, get yourself another truck that's newer, but you're wanting a fun car. So I'm having trouble with you there, too. Uh, and then it's, you know, can you keep the truck and buy a cheap daily driver 
And here you list things like the WRX, the FRS, or the ST. So you're not overly concerned with back seats. Plus, you were considering a Miata. So back seats certainly aren't a requirement. Right, right. And then there's the best idea, if I can say it, and that is sell the truck. Sell the Dodge pickup. Get rid of it. Your wife has the train that's great. Buy yourself a fun car. That's my favorite. I'll go into why, but that's my favorite of the four. Hmm. I think mine's more of a complicated mix of some of these ideas, and there's a reason why. It's because he's already had the Miata. He's already done the wrenching thing on the Miata. If yeah. he, if he yeah. had not, I would say absolutely. Get the NA or the NB Miata for really low price and yeah. do that. But he's already been there, done that, and experienced it. And I think – Oh, okay. I agree. Let's not go back to that. I agree with that. Let's yeah. not try that again. Let's not try a similar car just to recreate that recipe because, again, it'll just be kind of the same only with a slightly different car. I'm thinking about something really different, but I am recommending keeping the truck just because it's running. Really? And it's okay. probably – I'm guessing it's probably paid for. And I'm with sure him it is. Being, I'm sure it is. You know, yeah. an engineer, mechanic. He's in the aviation industry. Who knows what kind of stuff he's going to want to transport. And then if he does get a fun car to wrench on, what about parts? Hauling wheels and tires and, you know, what What if he gets some other, you know, I got a salvage transmission, you know, of the car, I the guess. cheap car that I got. And so you've got but, a parts truck and just yeah. keep driving it because I it's mean, there. I don't get the sense here. True. I don't get the sense here, though, that he's necessarily wanting something he has to wrench on. I get the sense that he can if need be, but I don't get the sense he's looking for a project. He's just not afraid of something if it needs work. That, at least that's what I took from it. Uh, and, and I also felt like Paul's an example of that thing you and I talk about, and that is, do you need a truck? I feel like he's an interesting example here. And, and, mm-hmm. and Paul, mm-hmm. not, not, not Paul, my dear friend I co-host with, Paul, who we're talking to here. Paul, I want to speak to you for a minute. And that is this. You, you admit if you get rid of this Dodge truck, it's the first time you've been truckless as a driver. And you're kind of wondering, can I do that? And I'm going to ask you th- the question back to you. Why not? Mm-hmm. What, what in your life requires you to have a truck? And I'm going to ask this question first. I mean, I'm going to make this suggestion first. And that is, keep this in mind about cars. We talk about it a lot. You're not buying a car for the next 10, 15 years. And if something isn't working out, you can get rid of it and move on to something else. So I submit to you, get rid of the truck and get something that where you don't have a pickup anymore. And, and, and then see how many times in life you bump up against, I wish I had a pickup. Because I suspect it's not going to be that often. And if it's not that often, rent a truck like we've talked about before. And hmm. you can stay in fun cars. But if you get a year down the road and you realize, I need a pickup all the time. Well, it's a car. So you get rid of it and you figure out a new scenario. Write us back. We'll try again. But I, I feel like you're at an interesting crossroads where you're embedded in having a truck. But I don't know that your life says you have to. So let's try it without it for a while. And then you can actually see. And if it doesn't work, do-overs are easy in car world for, for many in many ways to think about it. Hmm. So you're saying trade the truck in and he's talking about a possible about five grand for that truck. Add that to his hypothetical budget of 25 grand. He's got the Paul limiter bouncing off of 35,000. Yeah. So I went with 35 grand to chase him a really fun car. I mean, that's a well, pretty healthy I, budget for something great, it is. actually. It is. I thought of three, none of which he's listed. I mean, he listed the um, he listed the FRS, the WRX, and the ST. The only one of those, actually, to be honest, that I that I followed the rabbit trail with him is I said, what about an FRS or a BRZ? But you don't spend the full money. Buy one for 20 and set aside five or so and make that a fun car daily. And then you've got a little bit of money to just try stuff out on it. Just, I mean, we talked sure, last episode with sure. Chance. We talked about tuning and things that are available for that car. But you got a car that's that's going to be fun. You can get real comfortable with manual transmission. It's going to be cheap to run. And then if you want to do stuff to it, you've got you haven't spent all your budget. You could do that. That's the only one of your three that I followed along with. But I have two others you haven't even thought of. Both of which are available for thirty five grand. I want to come back to those. But I'm curious. What rabbit trail did you follow, Paul? Hmm, it's funny because you're actually the one spending the money this time around, and I've gone the other direction. Look at you. I Because Paul is 27, because he's got a family, and because there's two cars that he mentions in here are kind of, I guess, the dream cars, the Factory 5 Mark IV Cobra and a second-generation Cadillac CTS-V. Obviously, both of those are outside of the 35000 Actually, maybe not the Certainly. Factory 5. Maybe not. 
I think it still is. You get a good one, it still will be by Probably the time it's one. all said and done. And I'm just thinking, I mean, funny enough, we joke about financial advice, but I'm wondering if you were doing something like a, you know, a $400 a month car payment, cut that in half and squirrel away 200 bucks a month towards that ultimate, I want the Factory 5 Cobra and someday I'm going to get it. You're already squirreling that yeah. money away and therefore keep the truck and could you get just something lower priced for now that is uh, BMW flavored? Again, because we've tried the Miata, <laughs> but I just – I submit to you the E36 M3 and the E46 M3 because yeah. these cars haven't skyrocketed, skyrocketed in price yet. We true, have speculated true. about what are the next cars to go way up in value? What are the next cars that are – you know they're, they've bottomed out and they're going to start – doing the uptick in price. And, Here they go the other way, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I'm just kind of wondering. I don't know. Of course, I don't have a crystal ball. But what about the E46? What about the E36? And picking something up yeah. that is, you know, used, but well-loved, well-maintained, that gets you mm -hmm. into that. You can maintain it. It's not the super brand-new car. Obviously, no warranty. But could you pick one up for, I don't know, 15? Somewhere in there? Something pretty still decent that is the 36 all day long the 46 maybe not but the 46 is well within his budget of 2025 anyway it's well within that you're right it is and then you could still keep the truck just to back up for whatever winter storm i, I hear you whatever I that is got there. and yeah. i feel like a car like that is something you won't lose money on we've identified lotus elises uh porsche 944s Probably the E36 or 46, somewhere in there, that are cars that you will probably get most of your money back out of. And they're fairly used. Mm -hmm. What else is in that category? I'm just – I'm wondering because at 35, yeah. things are depreciating quite a bit. And I'm just – I'm trying to balance finances and budget and, you know, yeah. you've got a daughter now, a young daughter and – Maybe more, even though but, you insist you're not expecting. You're not pregnant. Well, but but no, um, but hang on. I want to stop you there for a second. Just because, wondering. Because you've touched on that, – that's great. Honestly, it's really good thinking. But you've touched on something that made me kind of – and now that we're talking about it, I've realized it. Here's the reason almost subconsciously that I shied away from the Cobra or the CTSV, his his more dream cars. Now, the CTSV less so, but the Cobra specifically. Paul, I get the sense by you saying we aren't expecting right now that – you guys are probably talking about at some point you'll have another child. So <laughs> I, I think I think you have a window right now where you can justify a two-seat car. That when you have a second child and it's now four of you will be much harder to justify. So what I'm worried about for you with that Cobra idea is if you're squirreling money away to get a Cobra and it's four or five years down the line by the time you get one, that's probably when kid number two hits and having a two-seater is going to make even less sense. So I'm of, the, I'm of the mind to get you into something two-seat and a little less usable family-wise right now and experience that. Okay. Maybe okay. then you can, you can prolong that reality or maybe in a few years if you have a second child, then you can go, okay, for a while I need something that's four seats or, uh, and, and some room. That's kind of – I'm feeling like you have a window of opportunity here to use, which is why I went away from the down-the-road fun car and I went, let's get something two-seat now. And the FRS blurs the line with the, the back seats and the somewhat usable trunk. But I have two other ideas that I thought of that are in your budget. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. This is interesting. And, and uh, This is really interesting. And neither of them – well, we're all over the map, but we're truly, really trying to think about Paul's situation in here, which is what I'm liking about it. Neither of them honestly make a lot of sense, but they both can work, and they couldn't be more different. Okay. For your 25 to 35 grand, get yourself an Evo 10. Huh. Four seats. Four That's seats. different. Now, That's marginal different. trunk. Marginal trunk. But four seats, you could get the big trash can car seat in the rear if you need to. That is nothing but a fun car. That is a life experience you haven't had at all yet. I mean, even though you've driven a WRX, Evo is a whole other animal. It just has a very different personality. You could get one. It will run. Please get a 2014 or before so you have the Recaro seats. Trust me yeah. on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter MR or stick shift. I would actually submit to you the stick shift. Get the GSR. Just go full go full rally ridiculous wing boy. Just just embrace it. Go. <laughs> you know? I guess, get yeah. Get that car okay. and enjoy okay. it. Okay, interesting. Get that car and enjoy it. And, and, and acknowledge the fact that it is a four-door car. It's actually got decent space, honestly. 
I mean, you and your wife and your daughter could go places in the Evo. Scaring and it's everybody be such with equal di- opportunity. You can scare them all at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Terrify the entire family all at once. It's, it's a fantastic <laughs> road trip evening. Uh, you, you, could take, you could take your mother-in-law or your own mom along for the ride, too, and just see how many people you can scare. It'd be perfect. But, <laughs> you but, can hose out the interiors, really is too. A, That's a plus. It, it really is a genuine fun car, and, and you, could, you could enjoy it no matter what you're doing. I think there's that. And then the other one I went with, which is totally different, there is one little tidbit in here that I latched onto. And that is, you said you really like V8s. Yeah. And I thought, okay, all right. You just There's a part of you that just wants to have the big, grumbly V8. And I went, wait a minute. There's a way to, to solve this. You like the classic rear-wheel drive V8 idea. How do you make that work? Well, you get yourself a C6 Corvette Grand Sport. I looked... So many of those available at thirty-five grand. It's it's kind of like pick your specs. Really, colors, options, tons of them. Now, of course, you could not get a Grand Sport and have many other C6 options. Is it as good as the C7? It's not. But the Grand Sport is a greatest hits package on that C6, and the C6 itself is better than you think. Get it in a manual. Mm. Get get a Grand Sport. Tons of room for you to drive. And a surprisingly huge hatch. That's the thing about the Corvettes that doesn't get realized a lot. That hatch has got space. We could put all our camera gear in the back of the hatch of a Corvette. All of it. And go. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. So C6 Corvette gets you V8, dedicated, fun car. You were talking about a Miata. You could clearly handle two seats. So I'm at two seats. But I've got you the V8. It's going to be reliable. A genuine fun car. Manual. Space done or go crazy and get an evo and those are my top two with yeah it's a Mitsubishi badge on it and an interior you can yes out. and a car seat in the back that's a baller father right there by the way i have a mitsubishi uh. evo with a wing and a car seat done i like that so much your wife is already shaking her head at me and she doesn't even know what car we're talking about but i say try it anyway but and then of course you know honestly the frs brz i already mentioned the reasons why i think that does work but I'm trying hard here, Paul, to get you into a genuine fun car so that you can experience that and then ask yourself, do you need a truck? Yeah, okay. I'm really, really liking these ideas. Uh, you can tell your wife that the Mitsubishi is uh, a four-door car and it just makes whistly noises with a big wing. It so, makes you know. whistly noises and it has a wing. <laughs> That's perfect. And it thinks the, it can fly. Uh, it's Corvette, really very cheery. I like the mm-hmm. Corvette too because – The good news about any Corvette that you're shopping for, they will have been gently driven in the third lane at 60 miles an hour only, and none of them will have been tracked. And they'll probably have about 20,000 miles on them. So great news. Every single Corvette that you're looking for is a cream puff and um, probably a garage queen too. So well, and I found found a lot of them. And, And I have to call one guy out here. There's a 2010 Corvette Grand Sport available right now for under 35 grand. I started looking at it because it actually looks really cool. And it's... It's been caged, it's been stripped, it's been fully track prepped, and I'm Ooh. looking at it and I'm going, this guy got serious. I mean, it's, this isn't a car for Paul. I'm just on a rant right now. This guy got serious about his track time, and then I realized <clears throat> it's an automatic. What? You're kidding it's me. A C6, it's a C6 automatic that's been track prepped. You're kidding me. Why? No. no that's, I mean, that's not even oh, really a good gosh. automatic. It's just an automatic. It's a very mid-grade automatic. Sigh. Can I say to all those new drivers listening out there that the first car you own should be a manual transmission? This skill will stay with you your entire life, no matter what you do, from big trucks all the way down to a track prepped car like this one. And I'm I'm sure I'm sure that the C six has got extra programming you can do to make the automatic better and the blah. This is your track car and this is not a dual clutch, folks. So I, I, he's got a fire suppression system in this car and an automatic transmission. <laughs> and zero bids. <laughs> I, I just I, – I am shocked. This is obviously not the car for you, Paul, but there are many C6s available in your price point. Many Grand Sports, which, as I say, is kind of the greatest hits of that chassis. I think that's the one you want. And you could do it, and I think you'd love it. You mentioned something at the beginning of this debate that is something we've never done, and that's for all of you listening – if we've recommended you buy something and then we need to try again, 
feel free to write us. And again, for those Agreed. of you whose debate Agreed. we haven't gotten to yet, again, TV at Gmail or on the website. So you can reach us through there. And again, lots and lots of people are starting to just use the everydaydriver.com website. Which is great. To Which reach great. us. But uh, I like the, uh, the do-over, the repeat, the, hey, I tried it, but you know what? It was okay for a while. I liked it for 10 minutes, but then... My life changed, or my plans changed, or my budget changed. Of course it does. Can you try well, but again? This is something I like. That. It's something you and I. I feel like you and I are learning. Genuinely, mm-hmm. we're learning because we were both trained and raised in a world where you buy a car and you have that car for at least five years and probably a decade. Right. And you and I are realizing. And again, this is not financial advice by any means, but you and I are realizing if you're going to have a car payment, that car payment can become a same car payment on a different car. Right, if, right. I mean, so so you had it for a year or two years and you go, I like this, but I want to move on. Or I like this, but it's not working for me. So move on. It's one of those rare things in life, unlike, we joked about it before, unlike a marriage or other things that you can just go, I'd like to move on, please. And you can. Yeah. So, you know, there is that thing where, Let's try some stuff. And if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. You can just go, for, go figure out a way to get a different car. So I, yeah, that's why I say, yeah, let, let us try again. Like, why don't you try again? So, yeah. uh, and that's something I'm really having to think about because I've always kept cars a long time. And now I'm thinking, okay, about every two years, just because of what we do and sharing stuff on the show, every couple of years I should trade into something else to have something new to talk about and experience. And I encourage others to do the same. <laughs> Although now you're telling me I've got a Think about selling the Cayman GTS at some point. I'm not, I haven't well, warned what's to gonna, that idea yet. What's going to happen with I you is you're going to, to keep that. that car indefinitely and rotate something else alongside it. Hey, I'm a there we go. I see the handwriting That's on the wall. That car's, that car's not going anywhere. I know I, you're debating it, yeah. but I think that car's not going anywhere. Yeah, I kind of agree. So the takeaway, everyone, is that we're here to spend your money for you because, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not our money. It's your money, and uh, we want you to be happy. So rotate. <laughs> At least briefly That's while you try takeaway. something crazy. So <laughs> the answer is an Evo X for everybody until you get completely bored and half, half deaf. Honey, and then you buy something else fun. It's a yeah. four-door sedan. Look at it. It's a four-door. It is. It's staid and boring and... The wing, that's just an a tacky add-on that some other guy put on. But look, it's a four-door. But I, I will say, you can take the wing off the back and put on the really nice lip that's on the MR. Yes, you and can. And that really makes the car, candidly, pretty classy looking, pretty cool looking. It's got a stance to it that looks aggressive, and yet it doesn't have the, the Racer Boy wing. So you do have that option as well. I was going to say cheaper, back to its Lancer roots. But, you know, classy works too. That's that's cool. To no, me. I think no. Honestly, anytime I see an MR, which is the one that comes with the nice BBS wheels and it has that right. that little lip on the back, that's a cool little sedan. It I is. have to admit, it's it just is. got a, a kind of a stance and some interesting menace about it without being flashy. Whereas the GSR is just look at me, I have a wing, <laughs> which just, it kind of deserves because it's fun. <laughs> stung by a bumblebee. That's what it looks like. Swollen everything. All right. Weston, he is in northern Wisconsin. We are moving on to his debate. It's a different situation, of course. He is a longtime listener and graduating with a bachelor's degree in a few months. So he's looking for the first big adulthood purchase here. Got some loans to pay off. I'm guessing that's school loans. So he's oh, yeah. wanting to keep this down. So 16000 and lower. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's not too much wiggle room in there. I'm, I'm hearing you. He's, he's being serious. He's being serious at that sixteen grand is Got as far as we're going to push for Weston. He's done. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm trying over here. Uh, so looks like Weston is going to have a commute of about 100 miles round trip every day. Wow. That's, that's mm-hmm. a lot of miles. That's a haul. That's a haul. And this is in Wisconsin again, so the roads can be, you know, we'll say have a lot of weather. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a slog at some point. So reliability, low cost of ownership, of course, a fairly low entry price point here, about 16000 somewhere in there. He's open to a manual, which is cool. He's, he's not opposed yeah, to it. that's great. And it sounds like he's kind of warming to that thought, too. We know where you can buy a 2010 Grand Sport race car with an automatic if you really are we do, yeah. wed mm-hmm. to the automatic thing. I yes. Mean, there, that is a and have 35 grand, you can get a fire-suppressed, fully caged uh, – Yeah. anyway, moving on, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, on a bright side, you could rent yourself out as the neighborhood snowplow in that car, so – <laughs> if you want to. Well, but he does say that. He says that, you know, he's in Wisconsin. He's going to have snow. He's obviously got a big commute on major roads uh, that, that may be nasty. So he's he's mentioned he doesn't 
he doesn't feel comfortable with rear wheel drive. He said, I know you guys did it, but he's not comfortable with rear wheel drive. So we're looking for something else. And I actually came up with a couple. I mean, what's interesting and fun about this is at the bottom, Weston lists a kind of greater than list. And Which it is starts funny. with reliability, and it goes uh, reliability greater than commute comfort. But commute comfort means is number two, and then fun is number three, and four is unique. So those I took those kind of top four parameters. He keeps going, but I took those top four parameters, and I was like, that's interesting to see the listing of those. And I, I, I think it's also intriguing that a unique car is in there. I did come up with three. One of them he brought up, but I came up with two others he didn't. Hmm. I only came up with one. As a matter of fact, I'm calling oh. the shot. I'm calling the ball. Good for you. Okay. Think okay, good. I've, and not just the type of car. I think I found you your car, Weston. I, I think I did. Uh, are you ready? I don't think you're ready. But again, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready, but keep going. Again, he doesn't have much stuff to haul around. He just needs room for golf clubs. Golf clubs Doesn't have kids. He does say he's got some light off-roading stuff with his Ford Escape for ice fishing, but maybe he might trade that in. I think you might have to let the ice fishing go for now, maybe, with his car. Well, he's... He, maybe. Definitely maybe. the way he's listed it is that's not something he but has to keep, but yes, it's something last. he's done in the past. Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. very last. So I kind of put that on the very back burner thinking. All right, so here you go. Here's your car. It is a 2011 Mazda Speed 3 Sport. It has mm. 40,865 miles, and it is $16,998. Blue. <laughs> it's blue. <laughs> And it's okay. currently located at Emmons Motor Company in Pasadena, Texas. Look them up, call them because sixteen thousand nine hundred ninety-eight is still in the sixteen thousand range for me. Because I'll bet you very, they take sixteen very five. Good. Right? Very good, Paul. It has a sixteen on the front. It You're does. Right. It has a sixteen That's, on the I front. I just looked good, at the number. Good job, sir. Well Whatever done. Whatever the numbers are on well the back, done. those are those are irrelevant. I don't know what those numbers. Those are mean. irrelevant numbers. <laughs> I, I don't know what those mean. Those are the negotiating numbers. Never mind numbers. that we've spent seventeen grand for Weston, but I ta- I do see I do see how you got there. The, the front number is the one that is his budget. The back numbers are all the negotiation and yeah, I don't want all the add-ons <laughs> and can we bring the price down and can we get rid of those ridiculous. Numbers? So, Ridiculous. Okay. There you go. Mazda that's Speed funny. 3. All right. Well, I uh, that's I, my I see that. I, that's a cool one. And I actually did think about the Mazda Speed Three. I like that you brought it up. I want to talk about a couple others. One of the ones that Weston brought up. He said there's cars that he's driven and liked. He said he drove the Golf GTI, the WRX, and the Turbo Forester. Now that informed me, and one of those I want to latch onto, and that is the GTI. Yes, definitely the GTI works for you. Sure, it's going sure. to be usable. You could get a manual transmission that will be incredibly easy to drive. Those those six speeds in the GTI, they're just easy. That's easy to learn. It's easy to interact with. Now everyone we know that's had a GTI, it's almost a fifty fifty split. Half of them never had a problem. Runs like a top. Great, perfect, just basic maintenance. The other half can't get it out of the shop. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I have to be yeah. candid. That, yeah. That's the experience of the people we've known. So if you just know that going in, it's not an indictment of the car. It is a reality of everyone we've ever talked to. But the GTI <laughs> is going to have a great, a great interior for you to do that 100 miles a day in. It's surprisingly roomy. Again, I say get the manual. You'll find it very easy to drive and learn and be really good at driving a manual transmission. I think that is a great one for you. I genuinely like that. But better than the WRX or the Turbo Forester, I have two others for you. Oh, really? So three? One. One is the Subaru Legacy from the mid to late 2000s. Get a spec B if you can. Okay. All-wheel drive, not that common, turbo power. You can get it in a manual. If you ended up doing light off-roading in that car, you wouldn't think twice. It's just a car that can be used. But I actually think that's the best-looking sedan that Subaru's ever made. I, I just think that era of legacy, like the 07, 08 legacy, I think they're great-looking. Hmm. And they're they're good to drive. And they are the WRX alternative. I mean, they're Legos. You can put all the WRX tuning parts on that car and turn it into a beast if you want. But it's also just a car that looks good, runs well. Watch our uh, fast blast of that one Spec B, Sammy Spec B that we got in. That is a fun car that is a usable car. So the Spec B is a great one. And then it's direct competitor from the same time period, the Mazda Speed 6. Talk about unique. Okay, very unique. All-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, unique, good power. In many ways, I preferred it. 
just the feel of it spoke to me a little bit more than the legacy. We're getting down into minutia now because like Paul liked the legacy more than he liked the Speed 6. I know I'm speaking for you, but I remember that. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. but it's it's a which one do you prefer? Now, some of those Mazda Speed 6s, they have heat soak issues. Uh there's some of the people have had that issue. There are some things to chase on that car, but everything about it that was ever an issue is known, but I still see those banging around and running well. And the one that we drove ran great. And that is a very unique, worthwhile, surprisingly good sports sedan. So Mazda Speed 6 or Subaru Legacy, Spec B if you can pull it off, are my alts to your GTI. Those are my three. Hmm. I found one online. 08 Subaru Legacy GT Spec B in black with some bronze wheels. It looks really tight. It looks really, really buttoned down and nice, actually. Dig it. What do they want for it? Oh, I'm not finding it. I just found some images here, so... Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. But pretty cool. That's a cool car. Both of those, I think you'd surprise yourself with what a what a cool car they both are. They're both in your budget, and uh, they'd be great. They really would. Right on. All right, so, yeah, all those would actually work for, uh, for the Wisconsin winners. And please let us know, again, if you have your own debate... Everyday Driver TV, we talked about all that. And by the way, rate mm-hmm. and review the podcast if you're so inclined while you're at it. We would love a review. And it's because of you guys that this continues to be in the top five worldwide automotive podcast. And that's what Todd and, and I are growing. telling people. It's growing. Yeah, yep. and it's growing. Well, I mean, yeah. we, we've been – no one's more surprised by how much it's grown than us. And we're thrilled you guys are liking it so much. And your interaction is helping it grow more which only helps, honestly, everything about the Everyday Driver brand. It helps us do more videos. All of this is interconnected. So thank you guys for your help and for sharing. And uh, we hope you are enjoying this as well. We have Facebook questions. You guys are becoming amazing with really good, <laughs> thought-provoking Facebook questions. We're getting you know, 20 to 30 anytime we ask for them. And many of them, I, I just kind of smile along and go, oh, yeah, I want to talk about that. I have actually three in that category tonight. Oh, you do? I'd like to jump right in super quick from Dammy. His question here, is the Mercedes R63 AMG the best minivan of all time? No, (laughs) Dammy. No. The best minivan of all time is the 1994 Renault Espace F1. This is a minivan with an 800 horsepower Formula One engine in it. (laughs) There you go. Just look that up. There's, There's the grocery getter. That is the Insane. grocery getter, and the and that is also the egg destroyer. I, honey, <laughs> I bought eggs. I just don't know where they are. Anymore. I already scrambled them on the way home. Sorry. There, there's you could, look. Look, there's a piece of egg right there. See, honey, I did buy eggs. Hey, look, it's not I'm, just on the receipt. It's all over the seats. <laughs> picking yeah. them out of the seats. So yeah, there you go. Look up that minivan. It's crazy. V10 Formula One engine in a minivan. Why doesn't Renault do this kind of stuff anymore? I mean, what what happened? Why <laughs> because, why are we not doing cool stuff like this anymore? Because they take a bunch of crazy pills, they do stuff like that, and then they settle down for a few years, and then they do it again. It's like they're recurring addiction <laughs> at, at, with the French automakers, it, exactly. it, and which which we love, honestly. I mean, that's exactly, great. Exactly, exactly. All right, yeah. So there you go. There one of go. the ones that that really stuck out for me, and I want to thank you, Philip, for writing in and asking this question because one of those questions that I read it and I just thought, wait, I just want to give that a minute and think about what would I do. That's really cool. So Philip wrote in and is asking a question about all of the BMW lineup. And somebody else, by the way, wrote in and said they haven't been drinking enough, so they needed to say proclivity. So brace yourself for the drinking. (laughs) They, They wanted to talk about BMW's proclivity to create many, many niches. And that is their proclivity. It is. So anyway, that is their proclivity. So his question, Philip's question is, if we were placed in charge of BMW and they were going through a recession, which models would we cut, or to put it another way, which models would we keep in the current lineup? I love this question. I actually pulled up the BMW USA website, and I just started hacking away. Did you really? And my goal, my <laughs> goal was to keep half their lineup. That was my goal. Oh, really? And I think well, I've ended hard. up with a group I really, really like. Huh. I, uh, I have not really put too much thought, so right off the top of my head, Philip. I'm going to say everything at the top end of BMW's range. I think BMW is outdone in the super luxury category by just about every other manufacturer that competes in that space. Hmm. S-Class, the Maybach, the Audi S8s, even Hyundai, you know, the bang for the buck, the Genesis G90 and all that stuff, the new Volvo S90. I personally think BMW is kind of outdone in that space, and the name is really about the lower end the smaller and midsize enthusiast cars. Hmm. And if they focused on that, 
get rid of all this luxury stuff, get rid of all the stuff at the high end because I'm not impressed with what the interior looks like. I can get the same design language in the 2 Series as I am in the full 760 IL. It's just got white leather that's going to get filthy dirty. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm super unimpressed. Until they start making some real true luxury at this point, I don't see why you'd choose the super luxed out BMW 7 Series. Why wouldn't you get the big S-Class or the big Audi or something else mm. cool? really super amazing Panamera, something like that. I think the super high-end luxury, they don't do as well, even though it's nicely built, but it's just, it's not as compelling. And therefore, in relation huh. to his recession question, let's get back to basics. Let's do something like what the FT86 did for Subaru and Toyota. Let's pull huh. it way back. Like, uh, okay. you know, what Porsche's doing. We're going back to basics you know, the 718 and resurrecting that name, even though those are still expensive mm -hmm. and loaded. You know what I mean? And that's They're, a marketing exercise, but I take your point. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but the M2 is one of the first cars that does it for me that kind of goes back to these E46 routes and, mm -hmm. you know, all those mm -hmm. cars. And, you know, we could argue, you know, get rid of all the even-numbered cars and <laughs> keep all the odd numbers or something like that. But that's my well, thing is get rid of the luxury. It seems okay. obvious in a recession kind of scenario but I think BMW is outdone at the very high end. I do. Hmm. And I like them. I, so. I took a different approach, which is not a surprise to any of you that have listened to the podcast for five minutes. We have different proclivities. I'm <laughs> trying to help you out if you're drinking. I'm really trying to help you. But, but here's the thing. I actually looked at their lineup and got rid of stuff that I feel like steps on each other. Okay? Yeah. And here's what I did. The two series stays. Yeah. You've got a small, affordable, coupe body style. Awesome. Keep it. The 3 Series stays in all of its derivations with the possible exception of the GT because it's just ugly and who needs that. But the 3 Series stays because the 3 Series is their 911. Okay? It is. You yep. can make it in 45 variations. It's the icon. You can buy the base 3 Series that doesn't have any sporting intentions or you can buy the GTS and everything in between and you can get madness and whatever, spec your 3 Series, it's the icon, keep it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but then I killed the 4. Good. Killed the 5. The 4 and the 5 both go. Fine. Kept, kept the 6, because the interesting thing about the 6 is, I like it in both variations, the Coupe and the Grand Coupe. If you need a kind of a little bit bigger than the 3 Series sedan from BMW, there's your Grand Coupe. Great looking car, cool. The five's now irrelevant. The reason the five's irrelevant is because I kept the seven. There's your big boy sedan, and it shares so much with the five now anyway, they're almost interchangeable. So I kept the big high-end seven. Really? Huh. So that's the two, the three, the six, and the seven. Those stay. Everybody else goes. The five's gone. The four's gone. Done. Okay. So what about got... uh, SUVs? What about that Hang arena? On. You, so you end, up with, you, end up with four, you end up with four cars, four types of cars. Two are sedans. Two are coupe. Obviously, lots of variations, but that's what I did with the, with the cars. On the SUVs, X5 only, everything else dies. <laughs> everything else goes. I kind of figured the that X, was the case. <laughs> the X5 is a moneymaker, and the X5 is big enough to be a genuine SUV. Everything else right. is a car masquerading as, as, a, as an SUV. It's not really an SUV. X5 has been a winner for them. The even the the M uh, the X5 M is a is an unbelievable performance car. It is a genuine Cayenne competitor. So the X5 stays, and all of the I models stay, and there's your BMW lineup. Hmm. Dig it. Dig it. I mean, I've never seen anybody towing anything with an X4 or an X6, ever. It's just not going to happen. X5? Sure. You could tow an Airstream. You could tow all kinds of stuff. It's a genuine kind of – it'll work for truck kinds of purposes. And it's an SUV, as you said. So I, I do like that. Mm -hmm. I like keeping that X5. But yeah, and the iCars definitely have to stay. That The iRange actually could be expanded as technology grows and as they you know, well, bring more the things -range, out. The iRange has the eye on the future. Uh, you know, it, it's got but, um, your little affordable – well, I, I didn't mean it that way. You've got your little affordable, uh, you know, entry-level electric, but all the way up to your – aspirational hypercar, your i8 is, so you've even got your, your high-end car is still accomplished in that range. So I think the i models need to stay for that reason, but I have hacked away at the lineup. I do feel like I've cut the lineup in half and I think for the better. Hmm, I like it. I want to stay real quickly with this theme on BMW. We've been 
fairly heavy, obviously, on this podcast. But Charlie James, one of our fans in oh, yeah. Germany, he wrote to us because he brought that metallic mango M3 with the competition pack. <laughs> he brought it to now, uh, to now with Now with more fish scale green and yet it still looks cool. It's yes. that color. Oh, yes, it's agreed. so cool. So we got to uh, you know sit in the parking lot and rev that thing to the moon. So uh, he writes to us and he included a photo on the Facebook page here. So go see that. Charlie is asking that uh, – well, he's saying he's got an opportunity to possibly get an M2 as early as February 2017. So should he keep this mm-hmm. brand new M3 with the competition pack, the four-door, yeah. or should he go for the M2? Because he's now driven the M2. He's tasted the honey, tasted the goods here. Well, but he's huh. he's recognized he's recognized the smaller, more focused package of the M2, yeah. and he used to own an E46, and he realizes that it feels closer to the E46 than the than the BMWs he's owned since. I mean, he had an E92 as well, so he's realizing that M2 feels connected to the E46 in the way that that big M3 does not, and so he's saying, "Should I jump, guys?" Now, first off, your M3 is candidly gorgeous it is i think the question for you charlie is is actually one of usage because if it's going to be an actual family car autobahn crusher first then i actually as much as i love the m2 i think you stay with the m3 but if this is going to be your fun to drive car you're going to take it to the nordschleife this is that what that that's what that car is for then m2 i'm totally with you there you've got to figure out what you're going to be using it for and Charlie, we know you've got family and you know other needs there, but the M2 still could fill those needs. It's still usable, which makes it different than the Cayman. I'm trying to justify that in my own mind here. It's got a <laughs> trunk. It's got a back seat. It's got you know. Yes. It's still a yes. car that you just don't mind running to the store in. Fired up, okay. You know, M2. Agreed. It's a great track Agreed. car, but I just need to run some errands. Fine, take the M2. But, but I would say if the majority of it is that family stuff or cross Germany autobahn blasts, the M3 does it better. It's oh, just yeah. the M2 yeah. does the fun focus stuff and the track stuff. It's just it, because it's smaller, if nothing else, it's better for that. I'm with you. And by the way, Charlie is the guy that got me Schmucker beer. Yes, there is a brewery in Germany called Schmucker Beer, B I E R. Yep. And Charlie, I tried the Hefeweizen. And I really liked it. So thank you very much. It was delicious. Yeah, very and, cool. Um, I've got this like it looks like the Quaker Oats guy on the on the beer. It's like this old eighteen hundreds <laughs> looking dude. The Quaker Oats guy. It does. I like it's that. That's a good funny. description. That is a genuinely a good description. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So thank you again for the beer. It's delicious. Awesome. That's funny. Well, I wanted to talk to uh, the question from Abhishek that he wrote in. He he asked the hypercar question. We touched on this briefly before, but he said, which hypercar could we go for? Now, we've obviously left the everyday driver realm and gone into the fantasy realm, but money, no object, (laughs) which hypercar would we go for? And uh, he he thinks he, he knows which one you'd pick, Paul. So he's kind of just asking me, even though I'd love to hear your thoughts anyway. But he's kind of asking me, and, and I have two that I would say. I would not do LaFerrari. I think the 918 is really cool. But my first two choices, and they tie for different reasons, either the P1 or the Pagani Waira. Mm. And, I, and I kind of lean Pagani Waira. I, I know from a dynamic perspective it's not the car the P1 is, or even in the, even the other two. It's not the car of the LaFerrari or the, or the 918. It just isn't that much performance car. But there's this part of me that thinks if you're going to spend a million dollars on a car, which it's hard for me to almost even say that with a straight <laughs> face. If you're, if you're going to spend a million dollars on a car, I want everything I do with it to feel like a million-dollar car. And the P1 is incredible. We saw one at the ring. We saw a guy driving it on Tristan Farton yeah, with every other did. person Gosh. out there. And I, I was so impressed he was out there really driving it. But the thing about the P1 is that's where it shines. It is a track car. And while it looks like a spaceship, it is stark and sparse, and it is a focused animal. The Wyra looks like a luxury vehicle and, a, and an event sitting still. The, the Everything about that mm. interior feels like you spent a million dollars. And then the performance is in that realm. And the styling. It, it, I feel like in every area you feel like you spent that million dollars. And that's why I like it so much. I know it's been beat by other cars performance-wise. But I'll give you another one. The a, a, Another counterpoint. The Bugatti Veyrons of the world, I have no interest. It's just it doesn't 
the, the look the the interior is obviously very nice. It's wickedly fast, but I don't I don't feel like it's sexy enough to pull it off. Whereas the Wyra does that too. So that's why I lean toward that one, even though the P1, if we're going performance, that car's cool. That's great. I actually like that a lot. Uh, yes, I'm a foregone conclusion, Abhishek. The 918 Spider would be top of my list. But I will say the one thing that is intriguing the daylights out of me continually to this day, it's another McLaren. It's the F1. I am just still mm. just all about this car and interestingly i think both you and i todd are really really kind of just focusing on on mclaren and really appreciating them more and more for the company the history all that stuff and the road cars yeah. we ran into that uh 570 gt brand new at the classic stad in frankfurt such a cool car such a cool car. oh my yeah. gosh just even better in in reality even better and I come back to the center seating position of the McLaren F1. And for me, it would be the closest thing to an open-wheel race car like a Formula One car every day, mm. all the time. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. you get to take two people with you. And it's just so different and intriguing. And those are a million sure. bucks. And At least, yeah. Mm -hmm. BMW yeah. engine-powered and keeping with it. the BMW yeah. theme of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, accidentally BMW themed, but that is true. That 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 practically is the title of the podcast, accidentally BMW. Yeah, I hear you. That's funny. Um, but talk about a car that still looks brand new and relevant and amazing and mm -hmm. head turning and sexy. And yeah, that's fair. All of that stuff. Twenty five yeah. years later, are you kidding me? I'm yeah. I'm McLaren F one after the nine eighteen, so it would have to be. You know, parked in the space <laughs> next to the 918, of course. No. Porsche so first, far from McLaren reality. Second, but so, you know, so far from reality. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Uh, I had I had one other one, and that was James Parson wrote in, and he said, are there any cars from the last 20 years which we think are so timeless that they actually beat the versions that replaced them, and we wish that one had stuck around? And and I have one that I feel like uh, is the winner hmm. of that discussion. Okay. okay. And you probably know what I'm going to say. But for me personally, I would say the Z32, the 300ZX from the 90s. It's the only one of that Z car lineup that doesn't look like a front-wheel drive – a front-engine front rear-wheel drive car. It looks more like a mid-engine car. But – this is a design that winds up on all of the most beautiful cars designed of all time list. And while dynamically there are positive things about both the 350 and the 370 to follow, I don't think either of them has struck the chord culturally or styling-wise or dynamically that that 300ZX did. Hmm. And I, I, I wish, I'd love to see that 300ZX, that variation of it, continue as the Z car. What if it was two generations later of refining that what would that be like styling-wise and dynamic? I wish that car had stayed. Hmm. I am uh, – yeah, that's pretty good. I'm waffling between two Japanese cars as well, Honda S2000 and Acura NSX. Honda NSX. Mm. Yeah, both Honda products as a matter of fact. Sure, sure, yeah. I just – every time you see them, you're wowed. And the – I guess I'm appreciating the S2000 from a design perspective of the, yeah. the low cowl and low hood line that – intersects with those front wheel arches i'm still amazed and impressed they pulled that off and got that engine so low in the car and it actually is a front mid engine it's just barely behind the front axle i'm yeah. so impressed with that it's you know what maybe I not mean, the that, most it, beautiful car ever it's a, but it's, it's a triumph of minimalist design but you know how you, you've shown this to me before you know you, uh, designers have their mood boards and their you know their their cubicle <laughs> is or, or their walls are Cadillac littered with does. pictures of <laughs> they're littered with pictures of inspiration and here's the animal that it's like and here's the leaf that it's like and all that. I think for the S2000, they had one picture on their wall and it was a really nice profile shot of a doorstop. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and I like the S2000, but let's be honest, the only design yeah. inspiration there pretty much is just a doorstop with wheels and we're done. And it still works. It does. I mean, I'm just, I'm going after this surface re resolution where surfaces collide the resolution is between it's the beautiful. flares. It's beautiful. It is a triumph of minimalist Quite design. Sculptural. I do agree with it you. It was there, just it's got sure, one sure. highlight 
and bright colors work so well. So yeah, timeless mm-hmm. designs I think are the cleaner, you know, less strakes and scoops and stuff all over it. Again, oh I agree. Stop drawing. I agree. Back off. Put the pencil down. Those are the two cars that I kind of like. So great question though. Really great. And all of these are great. And uh, we'll have to keep getting to all of these as well. So uh, if we don't keep asking, if we keep posting for Facebook and we have not gotten to them yet, please keep posting. And, uh, that's really and one and one quick reminder. I, I know this sounds a little strange, but the Facebook questions are supposed to be reserved for this this quick stuff, this fun stuff. We can just rattle rattle off real quick. If you do have a car debate, we would ask to just help us out by either sending it through the website everydaydriver.com or directly via email at that everydaydrivertv at gmail. I want to alert you again. If you're writing emails to everydaydriver at gmail. Somebody somewhere has that email address, and they're probably pretty annoyed at this point because that's not us. <laughs> it's Everyday Driver TV at Gmail, so you can definitely reach us both there. We are, as I've said before, we're reading all of them. It's just the volume allows us to just not reach to get to all of them. But at the same time, we read them all, and we try to group them to make them interesting, and we are going to keep doing two podcasts a week, so we will get through many of them. Yep, yep. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for coming along for the ride with us. And uh, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks very much. Cheers.